developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Welcome to the Lord's Podcast with Will Rowe. Many thanks for tuning in to the latest podcast and the final one of 2015. I'm very pleased to be joined by Middlesex spin bowler, Ollie Rayner. Welcome, Ollie. Thanks very much for having me. And joining Ollie is the UK editor of Crick Info, Andrew Miller. Cheers, Will. Nice to have you along. Um, right, there's plenty to discuss today with England's first test getting underway against South Africa next week. We'll look ahead to that series and discuss selection decisions as England announcer Alex Hales will open with Alistair Cook. My guests will also give their opinion on the first ever day-night test between Australia and New Zealand and whether it's the future of the game. As well as all this, we'll have the Lord's podcast quiz. But first, I'd like to open up with some questions for Ollie that have come in from listeners under the hashtag AskRain. So thanks everyone who's tweeted in for your questions. We're going to do this in two rounds today, so there'll be more questions coming later in the podcast if you don't hear your question first up. Um, Ollie, your first question, what's the best moment of your career so far from Lee Chatters? Yeah, so I did have a, a small browse through them uh, last night, so if I didn't get back to you last night, I do apologise, because I was advised maybe to leave some for today. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a very tricky one, but I was trying to think, although I sort of come on the scene as more of a bowler, uh, I was thinking, you know, my the feeling that I had when I scored that 100 against Sri Lanka on my first-class debut, I, I can't really see too far past that, just purely my first uh, exposure to the first class game and then to have a, a feeling that I had not often felt in terms of getting hundreds so um, and that was hard to look past and then I mean obviously the overall feeling of sensation from getting my wickets at the Oval a couple of years ago I mean that was just a different experience in a way. 15 wickets in a match that was. Yeah and it was just it was I was a bit more overwhelmed by that in terms of the whole occasion and you know, it was against Surrey and obviously people from London or around will be aware of the rivalry there between us and them. So um, that was a different feeling. But um, yeah, I, I would say in terms of singling out, you know, the, the maiden century, because I just didn't know how to feel. So it was it was quite a, a mixed bag of emotions. Great stuff. And Keita Saha says, if you could relive one moment, what would it be? This doesn't have to be cricket. Oh right, okay. Well, I suppose I ought to say my wedding day, but unfortunately, yeah, no. Um, I had a again. I, I just there were a couple of great moments I had at school when I was younger. Just in terms of um, you know playing football with all my mates in the school teams and things like that, which I would like to definitely live. Maybe not a moment, but a year. Yeah. Uh, outside of the educational sides of things, <laughs> I did enjoy school. Um, but yeah, again, I mean that, that the feeling of that hundred was just really special. I'd like to. I'd like for it to happen again. That or all the wickets again, that would be great. Great stuff. Dean Osborne says, what are your personal hopes for next season? Yeah, I think Dean was one of the ones I did actually uh, have a tweet back last night. I, I want to get back to taking wickets a lot. You know, I, I had a great year a couple of years ago. A uh, year after that was poor and then last year was pretty good. Um, I just want to keep focusing on taking wickets, spinning the ball. Um, it's easier said than done. Often I have to play a role in the team, which isn't always the attacking role. Um, but I, 
you know you can build pressure also with taking wickets so we'll really focus on that next year hopefully great stuff um, Asad Abbas uh, got a seasonal one here what Middlesex player would give the best secret Santa present <laughs> well I, I think I may have I did this one as well I so said apart from myself obviously uh, I gave uh, Podders a magic eight ball <laughs> he seems to find making decisions quite hard so I thought that's probably better than the decisions he usually makes on his own um but uh, our masseuse, Big Spike, from uh, New Zealand got me a Nerf gun, which also... What's a Nerf gun? It shoots What's sort of foam, foam pellets. Yeah, we've <laughs> been living in a cave. <laughs> 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 which, um, actually, when I lined it up against someone in our, our Christmas party, it came out a bit quicker than I was expecting. I'm glad my aim was off. <laughs> um, a couple of questions here. One from Margaret Newson and one from Nimra Balok. Um, why Harry Potter and... You know any Harry Potter spells? You're a big Harry Potter fan. I know. It's, it's so sad. It's the sort of thing that gets brought up all the time. It's probably my own fault because I talk about it a lot. Um, to be honest, I don't know. I think I just like that. I just like the fact that it's just not real in a way, and I'd love it. I really would love it to be real. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's much the same as why people like Star Wars and things like that. I mean, it's it's totally mental, really, if you think about it. Yeah. You know. They must have been on acid or something when they thought these things up. But um, I don't know, just the thought that it's something that you have never experienced, I guess. And so you like the thought of it because you can never actually see it being done. So Absolutely. Do you read any other books or is it just the Harry Potter ones? I that have you've to got say, into? I don't read an awful lot. <laughs> and um, I'm having a bit of a struck with YouTube at the moment because they've taken all the audio books off because of copyright which I think is <laughs> absolutely totally unfair because uh, I think the box set's about 180 quid or something for Stephen Fry so um, if anyone would like to read them and yeah. then send them to me on tape that'd be great um, Christmas present there you go but yeah I love it I, I, do, I do I do enjoy it definitely but I, I read the Hunger Games book one of the first one um, and that was uh, the first and only book I think I've read cover to cover so yeah Great stuff. Right, well, now, England coach Trevor Bayliss has said that Alex Hales will open the batting with Alistair Cook in South Africa. The announcement came before the team left for South Africa. The, Not the Nottinghamshire batsman will make his test debut on Boxing Day in the first test at Durban, while Nick Compton or Gary Balance will fight it out for the number three spot left vacant after Ian Bell was dropped. So, Hales will now become Cook's eighth opening partner since the retirement of Andrew Strauss. Is it the right decision, Andrew? I'll throw it to you. Well, I'm a very, very big Hales fan. I, I've always thought from from the get-go that he had the capacity to be a test batsman. I think um, England would be very slow on the uptake when it comes to recognising that there are more than one way to be a test batsman. And Look at David Warner, look at Brenda Sawag, opening batsmen who go out of there and wallop it from the outset. I mean, you can't deny they are classy test batsmen, even though they're not traditional mould. And so... Yeah, I think Hales could very easily slot into that sort of mould. But unfortunately, it's, it's, I think the timing sucks a bit for him at the moment. I think he's. Um, I suspect that announcement was made that he will open the batting because I think he needs a bit of confidence back. And yeah. To be given that backing nice and early, saying, look, you are our man, go forth and conquer. Uh, trouble is, it's, it kind of reminds me a bit of the 1990s in a way, which obviously England are far, far removed from that. But, you know, they've had a guy who was in sensational form who they weren't using, and then finally they pick him when he's out of form. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it, it, they used to do that a lot with, with batsmen. I seem to remember Graham Thorpe making, making, making his first appearances for England after, after he'd been 
particularly good. Um, you got you got Sancho and David actually, so that's a completely wrong example. But the point still stands that uh, I think in an ideal world he probably would have made that made that move perhaps last winter when they went back to Jonathan Trott. I think maybe going out to the Caribbean with with Hales in that that role then might have been preferable to stay in Morkel and uh, Kikisa Radaba coming up against him in in, in the Durban Test. It's, it's, not, it's a pretty bit of a baptism of fire there. Yeah, the, the Trot decision did seem a bit backward. Uh, Ollie, question: Why have England sort of struggled so much to find a replacement for Strauss? Yeah, it's a good question, and um, we were discussing it lightly beforehand. I I don't know. Is my honest answer because I think Cook plays in such a way that I think they're worried that they're going to have like traditionally an opener to bat with him if they batted the same you know it you know could be a long day um although you have got five days but the way the game's going now i totally agree with andrew i think the key with hales is if he does play he's got to play his way and not get into this oh no you know all the other openers have struggled i've got to fight through and score something like a 30 off 130 balls you know something like that um so that would be interesting, but I mean, if I'm brutally honest, I, I just don't know. Um, it's a hard spot to fill, and I also feel uh, in agreement with Andrew about the the whole sort of introducing the uh, openers when they did, because okay, this summer didn't really go well for life, but he has basically come in and made his test debut. Okay, he was against New Zealand, but that was only a short series, and then you've got the best team in the world with one of the well, one of the best teams in the world, one of the biggest sort of occasions in in the Ashes. So. He could have possibly been introduced in West Indies as well if they were thinking of bringing someone in for the summer. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see how it all goes. Really, I mean, it's it's, it's interesting. They've just finished the first warm-up game out in South Africa. It was rained off on the final day. But I mean, the big talking point coming out of that was was Hales's form. He got eight in both innings, and uh, um, the the bowler got him out both occasions. Junior Dala, some um, uh, Zambian-born seamer, but he was. Um, he, he was scathing afterwards. He, he was really fighting talk, saying, you know, I've worked him out. He doesn't like the ball coming back into him. And, you know, really, really mouthing off. But you can't you can't deny that in the second innings in particular, he got eight from 42 balls. He looked horribly tentative. And there's a, st- there's a still, I, I haven't seen a lot of him actually, actually batting, but there's one particular frame of him playing a forward defensive. And it's such a determined, I'm not going to get out type of yeah. forward defensive thing. That's, that, that's not Hales' natural game. You know, when, Hales when, attacks. Hales attacks, or, or at least he, attack, he, he defends with... With, with flowing confidence as opposed yeah. to help I don't want to get out I of it I think such is you know if you look at like you said did you say eight eight partners it's been yeah the it's been Compton Carberry Roots Robson Trot Lyth and Moen Alley it's almost it's almost like when Alex Ferguson left Man U who really wanted that job you know it's a job that you're you know you're you're really the odds are against you if you if you look at it that way I think Whatever, however they do it, someone's got to go in there and be given a run, and it's not easy because it's not. We're not talking about club cricket now. We're talking about playing for England. But the truth of the, the matter is, is you know, there's no one who's churning them out year in year out. Every year, it's a different person in county cricket who scores a thousand runs in May, mm. and they go, oh wow, this you know, awesome, great, we've got another one. Yeah. But it's never the same person every year, and you know, until that time, they're going to have to try and stick with something. And it has to be said, though, they are enormous shoes to fill. I mean, it's easy to underrate Strauss because, you know, he, he, you know he's not the most demonstrative of, of batsmen, but you can't mm. deny he was an absolute giant in that position, particularly on the last tour of South Africa. He got in those 300s he got. He, 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 was, he was sensational. The 300, 600 runs in the series on the last tour of South Africa, which basically won England the series. I mean, you know, that, that was his first overseas tour. I mean, if he can do that straight off the bat and then 
you know, Captain England and the, the way he did. I mean, that's a phenomenal career and massive shoes to fill. It's, no, no one's going to find it easy, especially if you've got yeah, Alistair Cook as not exactly a small presence alongside you. It's, it must be fairly daunting to try and replace a guy like that. Right, there's also an issue for England in the number three spot. Ian Bell's been dropped. Uh, Gary Balance and Nick Compton have both been recalled. It looks like it's going to be a straight shootout between the two of them. Uh, Ollie Nick's your colleague and teammate at Middlesex. Do you think he's the man to fill that position, or do you think they'll go with Balance? Um, the new look, sort of England approach to things. Maybe they will give him a go. You know, they they seem to be like with the Hell's decision. You know, they they and and bringing foot in and people like this, people who don't really know much about. If they're doing well, they've got to come in and. Yeah, Compo didn't score like 2,000 championship runs, but the way he scored his runs for us this year it was very impressive. On a year, as far as I can see, wasn't really that you know, um, fruitful for opening batters. So, uh, or sorry, top order batters. So, you know, I'd like to see Compo get back in. It has been his sole um, you know, goal for, you can tell his, his main drive is to get back into that side. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you can't really argue with Balance's stats. You know he's got good stats. He's just had one bad kind of series or summer maybe. Um, so again, without wanting to sit on the fence, every question <laughs> I, I don't know. But I mean, from Middlesex point of view, I'd like to see Compo in there. I'd, I'd go with Compton. I, 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 I liked. I, I completely agree. I, I saw several of his innings here last summer, and one in particular. I think he got seventy odd. And I think it was the Durham game, wasn't it? When um, when Harris yeah. got his nine for seven, seven, seventy odd in the second innings when when wickets were falling all over the shop and. He just refused to refuse to budge. His, his 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 understanding of his off stump. I haven't seen anyone with a better judgment of off stump in a long time. And that's the sort of that's the sort of skill you're going to need when you got Stain and Morkel pounding away at you on on a green top in Durban. I mean, I, I think it's you know you can you can you can angle for speed of scoring and all the reasons why I believe that Alex Hales is a is a good long term selection. But equally, you can't deny that if you're going up against the best seam attack in the world. You want a guy who's not going to get out, and uh, and I like the look of compost stickability. And again, we're talking about the, the the trouble of replacing Strauss. I mean, he was the best of the of of the fits in yeah. in that top order position. Statistics wise, mm. Compton stood out with the I mean, from the rest of them. It's, you know, honestly, it's impressive. You know, his mental stamina and how he's focused on on what he's doing is is. And it's funny you said about his off stump. I mean. He, if he gets out LBW, he'll tell you exactly whether he thought that was right or not, and very unbiasedly. He'll never blame a decision, but he'll he'll give you this explanation, and you'll look at it and go, "God, he's right." Yeah, <laughs> you know, he does know. He does know his stuff, and he doesn't blame anything else. So yeah, I'd be interested to see where they go with that one. And the rest of the batting lineup, it looks like Joe Root probably in at four, with James Taylor at five. Yeah, I'd like to look at Taylor. I think he's 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 got something about him. I think he's he's really he's really found a second wind after after sort of being being another of those guys who's been oddly overlooked. Well, oddly, oddly overlooked in his case, he's probably <laughs> <laughs> no one could see it. No one could see it, but Budum Tish. But uh, you know, it's an obvious obvious slot for him there. I think he's he's got a bit of get up and go about the way he goes about his scoring. He's shown that in in all forms as well. So um, again, he's he's a type of guy who 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 can play several roles. I think for England and um, and. And particularly with uh, without the experience of Ian Bell, I think someone versatile like him who can attack and defend is is probably yeah, the fine very, thing to have. Yeah, he can he can definitely change the tempo of his game to suit the team. And I think he's just a great player to have in the team. I don't know if you ever come into contact with him on a one to one level. He's just a good bloke to be mm. around, and I think he fits that new mould of 
of where England are trying to go with their team now. So I, I wish him all the best and I hope he does get a good go at it. In the bowling department, um, I'd like to bring in a quote from Graham Smith. Uh, it's an interview <laughs> that you did with him, Andrew, in which he basically said there's no comparison between Dale Stain and James Anderson to the effect that Stain is far superior in his mind. Um, it looks like this series could be decided between you've got kind of Stain and Morkel and then Anderson and Broad. Um, is Smith just being punchy for the sake of it or is there some truth in that? I think there's probably some truth but also he's being punchy. I mean, I, I think to be, to be fair, um, Anderson's performance in the UAE was sensational but he didn't get the rewards and I think that's often been the way with some of his, some of his performances. I mean, I think... Uh, he was making the point that Stain's over Stain's record in Asia, in particular, just marked him out as this guy who's more versatile. Whereas actually, Anderson's record in Asia is not as bad as it, as the stats perhaps make it look. I mean, he doesn't go for runs out there, which is part of the part of the battle one. He doesn't often get massive amounts of wickets. Maybe he gets four fours instead of fives and six fours. But I mean, he was immense in the UAE, as was Broad. And on balance, I mean, given that Stain missed three of the tests in India, and there is still a doubt about him, is he on the wane a little bit? I would suggest that actually, of the of the two new ball pairings, Broad and Anderson are, are the outstanding pairing in world cricket at the moment. And Stain and Morkel perhaps are, are just on the turn a bit. I mean, Kagisa Radaba, this this young young quick guy, is, is is an interesting one. I'm looking forward to seeing him play, and he he will be turning it up a notch, I'm sure. But I mean, to say that Stain is over the hill is is a complete nonsense. But to suggest that he may not be quite the bowler he was when England were last out there is probably not unfair. And there's good news for England. Your teammate Stephen Finn is back out in South Africa with him now. He won't play the first test, we believe, but that will be good for the England camp to have a guy that can produce on quick, bouncy pitches. Absolutely, and um, you know it's obviously a good formula that's proven for for South Africa and Morkel and Stain with a different approach to bowling. Um, I'm a big fan of Finney's. Obviously, I'm not just saying it because I play for Middlesex, it's, but but because I I do play for Middlesex, I really do see what he can produce. You know, everyone goes through ups and downs in their career. I think he's definitely, you know, mentally back to where he needs to be. Um, if he can just get over this uh, fitness and, and hit, hit his straps, then I think he's going to cause a bit of a headache to selectors, definitely, and, and hopefully he gets a gig as well. And the speed with which they got him back in is telling as well. I mean, he bowled yeah. two, two four-over spells for the Lions, and you could tell just from the scorecard. I mean, I was watching the ball by balls. It was giving updates on Quick Info about each delivery, and they were rapid right from the outset and, you know, getting wickets right when they needed them and you know admittedly it's only eight overs he's bowled since his comeback so it's, it's not exactly it's, not, it's barely half a spell in a test match but it's uh, you know it, it is a sign that they rate him as a guy that they want to get right back in the frame as soon as possible I also think sorry just on that yeah, I think with um, with Broad and Anderson like we said they're quite good in terms of control generally like you're saying and yeah Finney may leak a few but he does have a knack of taking wickets so you do need that at times. I mean, the amount of times someone like Finney comes into our attack, obviously it's Finney and, it, and it's county level, but you know he can just turn a game just when you need it. Um, and he could leak a few runs. But if you've got the guys that can control the game from the other end, you need a wicket taker. He is an attacking bowler, absolutely, and he takes wickets. And it doesn't matter if his economy is four or five for a bit. If he takes three or four wickets, then If you've got Anderson or Broad or both yeah. or whatever in the team and they're going at two and a half, then... Who cares? Yeah. Um, Ollie, I'd, I'd like to ask you this question. Uh, Samit Patel has retained his place in the squad for this tour to South Africa. He came in when Zafran Sari was, uh, got his finger injured, so he was his replacement, and Adol Rashid now hasn't gone to South Africa. 
I mean, firstly, will Summit really feature in this series? And as a spin bowler, what kind of message does this send to you? Because it seems a little bit like the thinking is muddled. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I should probably have done more homework. Uh, I didn't. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Realized that Rash wasn't going at all, um, but I think the thinking behind that is that they just won't use a second spinner in South Africa. I think they're expecting, you know, all going well, no injuries. Moen's going to do the, the spinning. Uh, I'll just check he's on there, is he? Moen is going. I haven't going, made an yeah. absolute <laughs> rope. <laughs> Moen is there. Um, in, so that, in that case, then, why take Samit Patel? Because you effectively I, taking him as a batsman. I think I, I think I already had this uh, this very friendly discussion with Angus Fraser. Um, and I think it's more the fact that rather than have Rash just sitting out there rotting, I think he's playing cricket somewhere else in yeah, the world yeah. at that time, um, geared up more towards the... One day, yeah, well, he's, 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 play, he's playing for Adelaide Strikers in the Big Bash, so that's he's going to be. He's, gonna, he's basically they're saying that you can you you can find some white ball form with the World Twenty Twenty yeah, coming that's up. That's it, World Twenty, which is a really really good point, and it's 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 a welcome sign that England are thinking more laterally instead of yeah. putting everything into Test cricket and then occasionally thinking, oh, whoops, we've got a world world oh, event coming yeah, up, and we've screwed up again. And I think I think actually, you know, I had a like I say a discussion with Gus about that, and actually afterwards I went. Yeah, good point. Fair enough. Um, so, cheers, boss. So it, make, it does make sense. Why, yeah. why have him rotting out there if he can go and play something that's gearing himself yeah. uh, him up and working I, for England? I, I agree with the the Rashid decision. I'm just saying I, I like Samit Patel. I think he's great. I think he's a good player. But I'm saying why take him if you if you know you're not going to play? Him? Well, do we know? I mean, that, that's well, the big, that's the big question. I mean, the, the Moeen, you've got to got to admit that Moeen did not have a good tour of the UAE. Admittedly, yeah. he was bold, played out of position by batting. Uh, open batting, which he was probably unsuitable for in in those conditions, and as a consequence, he's he's lost form. I mean, he was he was a gun player for England throughout the throughout the summer and and last year in particular. But if anyone in this squad is going to put pressure on him for that crucial role of the spinning number eight batsman, which is something England really put investment in, the only alternative really is is Sam Patel. It's given that Ollie's got a, got a groin injury, obviously. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I'm sure I'd be first on the team sheet. Well, good, good point. Well, made. Well, I also think with that, I mean, I don't know where I sit with that. If if you're if let's say Moen doesn't start, then you know Rashid's definitely the better choice between Samit and and. Agreed, Rashid, but, but uh, Rashid has spent so much time sitting on the sidelines anyway yeah. that it, it makes more sense, I think. But then they played Rashid in the UAE. See, we're going back around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, yeah, this, yeah, this is my what point. What do we know? We don't know anything. If he's not going, then. You're essentially saying that Samit Patel is your third best and you're happy for your second best to be playing for Adelaide Strikers. But I think realistically, if you want to revert to the role that Moeen played reasonably well for England, which is that that containing spinner as opposed to an attacking spinner, then you're not going to trust Rash to be the containing spinner. If you want the guy to hold off an end while the seamers rotate, I don't think Rashid's your man. But Samit, I reckon, could probably probably do that job. I mean, it's, it's literally a case of doing a job as opposed to really yeah. anything more, which is, which is unfortunately the state... That England have got into with their spin bowling, which is something that Ollie has talked about at length and, and very eloquently, in my opinion. 
Oh, I had some some very expert help on that. <laughs> I believe there's, there's a ghostwriter in the room. Um, well, while that tour to South Africa is going on, MCC will also be on tour. Uh, they'll also be in South Africa uh, to coincide with England's Test tour. Um, that's being managed by Middlesex director of cricket Gus Fraser. Names on that tour include O.A. Shah, Wes Durston, who's skippering it, John Simpson, Neil Dexter, Ned Eckersley. Ollie, you didn't make the cut. Yeah, I was, I was saying earlier, I'm going to have to have words with someone because Dexter's getting on all the bloody tours this year. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, that would be a good tour. And, and Big Gus getting a nice uh, stint out in the sun as well. It has its perks being a selector, obviously. Yeah, back out in South Africa yeah. with the MCC. So. Gus doesn't strike me as a type who really enjoys being in the sun, though, let's face it. <laughs> well, no, no comment. <laughs> right. Well, at the end of last month, Australia played New Zealand in the first ever day-night test match. The Aussies won by three wickets and the game was played with a pink ball. Before the match, there were some doubts about whether the format would work, but following the match, it was widely seen as a success as the Adelaide Oval saw 123,000 fans through the gates across the three days. MCC's long champion the concept of day-night test cricket with the annual county curtain raiser, the champion county match, now taking place in Abu Dhabi under lights using a pink ball. So, day-night test cricket. Is this the future or is this a flash in the pan? Or do we sit on this one? Well, let's address the that particular match because I think it's a very case-by-case thing, in my opinion, where, where, where day-night test cricket is, is concerned. I think having it at a game, a ground like Adelaide Oval, with the with the lights on, the crowd full, the weather beautiful, the sunsets glorious. It was you, leaving leaving aside the the fact that the, the match finished in three days. It was a spectacle. It was spectacular to watch. And frankly, that's that is as as important in my opinion. Making Test cricket attractive and a spectacle is is as important as competitive. And by that I mean you know the at the same time England were playing in concrete dust bowls in the middle of the desert with nobody watching and it was it was pretty tedious to view yeah and you know it's not an attractive thing to draw people in whereas that you know if you come across that as a, as a passing customer you think wow I, I want a part of that uh, you, you may not understand it initially because that's the, that's the thing about test cricket but if you think yeah I quite like spending my evening doing this and watching this and taking this in that's great but you've got to pick and choose your, your venues I don't think it would work necessarily in England because the daylight goes on longer at the height of the summer so the floodlights wouldn't actually kick in and then in September it's freezing. Uh, and True. Also in England there is not the same issue with the grounds are pretty full most of them. Indeed. So you don't really yeah. have that issue. It seems with day-night test cricket the spectacle, the spectators, the broadcasters I think like it. The players um, and there was a uh, after the match, the Federation of International Cricketers Associations did a survey to which 20 of the 22 players that took part in that match did complain about the suitability of the pink ball and they said it needs refining a bit of work. So I guess my question to you, Ollie, is it's, it almost seems like there's the players on one hand are not huge fans and then on the other side you've got the broadcasters and the spectators saying, yes, this is, this is great. I think one of the main things we're going to have to think about really, even as players, is you know, getting fans through the door is what it's all about, and that's where the wages come, etc., etc. So, in terms of if if those figures are working, you've got to deal with it. Yeah. You know, it's like I wasn't a massive fan, to be honest, of the 2020s being on a Friday. Um, whether that's worked or not financially, I don't know. But they've got to give that a go, and if it doesn't, then they've got to go back to what financially works on it. So, 
But yeah, in terms of being a player, the ball is tr it's tricky. There are two very key stages in the game where the game's more one-sided than the other. So that would be twilight with the pink ball. So I don't know, the ball would possibly be, what time do they start, about two, is it? So about two or three in the afternoon. Two and three in the afternoon. And then the twilight so period. So you're looking at what, 40, 50 overs old, I suppose it would be, isn't it? So then the ball's, yeah, okay, so that's what I was looking for. So that's 40 overs old, and although the ball's lost its shine, it does seem to be a bit harder to pick up when, it, when batting, and, and in the field, in all fairness, um, dependent on the on the backs, uh, backdrop. Um, and then the new ball is then um, due nine o'clock at night or whatever where it does just does tend to do a lot more under the lights you know we've seen it in white ball cricket yeah you know it, it pitches tend to do more at that at night so uh, those are two periods that would very much swing probably in the bowling's favor um and then just in terms of picking the ball up it, it it's it's funny it does kind of leave a, a a trace a little bit behind it so trying to track it can be a bit tricky um but yeah, I mean, because you played in the Champion County yeah. match in 2014, you played for MCC against Durham, so you've had experience of playing in that, those exact conditions, although out in Abu Dhabi, but it's the same conditions. Yeah, absolutely, and um, you know, I did, I did. It wasn't, it was enjoyable, um, but it was, it was tough at times. Like I'm saying, there were, there were definite parts of the, the, the day stroke night where it did become tougher, and like I say. Even when it's pitch black, picking up the pink ball, it does seem to leave a tracer if it's hit at you hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, it's not always enjoyable if you can't see a ball and you know yeah. really by the look, if, when you look at everyone else and it's coming at you and you haven't picked it up, it's not a great feeling. But, uh, obviously, but the, obviously speaking as someone who's, who's never going to have to face up to the pink ball in, in, in twilight, I mean, I, th that doesn't actually bother me quite so much. That notion that, you, that as a spectator, again, if you if this is given a chance and and you get to learn the rhythms of mm. pink ball cricket and you learn, oh my god, this twilight, you have got a well set batsman, you know it's getting dark and the new ball's been or the the bowler has been hidden, held back, and it's yeah. nice and fresh going into that period. You will know that the yeah. tactics are going to get ramped up. You know that there's a massive period, passage of play coming up. It it could be fascinating, you know. You, yeah. It, have to be some understanding girlfriends and wives out there as well. <laughs> well you're going to the cricket till 10. I was happy when it was 6, half 6. Now, now it's 10 o'clock. Yeah. What state are you going to be at then? But also, just on the, on the flip side of that, I mean, in this particular pink ball game in, in Adelaide, the, most of the collapses happened in the morning. I mean, New Zealand lost seven wickets in the morning session on one of them. So, I mean, it, well, you, you go, it, I still can't... I do not know. But, no, but, but the, the point is, I, I think you're, you're spot on with, with what you're saying, but equally, you can't necessarily assume that that's going to be the issue every we'll time. You've got to give it a go. Yeah, you've got to give yeah, it a go. It it have to, see, it? It would have to, yeah, exactly. Great stuff. Well, I'm, I'm glad we've cleared that one up. <laughs> um, now we're on to round two of hashtag Ask Reigns. So these are the final questions which have come in on Twitter for Ollie. Uh, we'll get straight into them. Ken Grime, have you ever been unlucky enough to be mistaken for Robbie Savage? Yeah, I didn't know how to quite take that one. Uh, from what I can gather, he's, he's not looked at particularly fondly uh, in general. So <laughs> I, I can't work out if he's a, he's a a range supporter or not there but uh, I haven't it has to be said never interesting <laughs> it may have been the photo that we used on Twitter but I don't quite see it myself do you I don't know now you mentioned it a bit, 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 bit more yeah, mullet well, it, is, it is winter I am growing it out a little bit yeah <laughs> um, Craig Robson asks what is your favourite wicket you've ever taken is there any particular scalp oh, this is yeah I 
I don't, I don't know is my honest answer. I mean, I, t- I took a few when I was a bit younger and they meant a lot to me and they were big players. Um, I've got Thorpe. Uh, no, I didn't I, I lie. I've got Butcher. Um, I've got Crawley. I've got a few in my first year, real year uh, without Mushtaq around and they meant a lot to me and there were a couple of Vaughan. You know, I've got some really good names, but I did, uh, I enjoyed, I got Peterson out in front of a packed crowd. Nice. In, 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 at Lords 2020, admittedly caught in the boundary, but I enjoyed it. And <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because at the time, a lot was going on about Kevin Peterson, so it was part of that whole Peterson so saga. It was, um, it was, it was quite enjoyable. Yeah. Who caught it? David Milan. I thought as soon as it came off the bat, I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and it, <laughs> so was a big gust of wind came and kept it in Lords somehow, and and David took it very casually. So yeah. Uh, happy days. Great stuff. Um, Simon Dewhurst says, if you weren't a cricketer, what would your ideal job be? Oh, it's a stay-at-home dad, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I'm actually in the, not in the pro. I'm hoping, obviously, the cricket will be uh, will be my job for a few more years to come, but I am at that age now where I'm trying to go out and have a look at a few bits and bobs. Uh, it looks like it's too late to be a professional footballer or a golf pro, so... Uh, uh, I'm not sure. Maybe a games tester. I could do that at home on the sofa. You know, Xbox One I was, games. I was getting, tester, a, I'm getting a PCA press release. I'm getting several of them the other day. Well, some one of one of one one guy on the circuit's training to be a barber at the moment, which is quite interesting. I can't, yeah. can't remember who it was, but it was, it was like. Well, oh, as we've that's, that's as different. we've already established with my haircut, I probably couldn't go into that. No one would want a haircut from me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dean Carter asks, "How does it feel to be the David Beckham of German cricket?" I did. I liked this one very much on Twitter. Thank. You very much. Um, I unfortunately there was a uh, the German annual cricket awards were on in Cologne a couple of weeks ago, and I was asked if I'd like to go. I mean, it wasn't specific to me; it was put out to the players. Um, but uh, uh, my my wife had something planned for me already, which was very lucky of me. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, I I wouldn't have said I was the David Beckham of German cricket, but if I am, then I'm I'm flattered, I, and maybe I need to get some body art, you know. <laughs> For those listeners that are a bit confused at this moment, we could just add that you were born in Germany. I was. I was. My my dad was uh, in the forces, so I was. I was um, born out there. I actually just come back from Hamburg this weekend as oh, well. So was I. Well, there were you, you go. Yeah. yeah. My, I'm an army brat too. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it, it's it's always quite interesting when I get to the uh, passport control in Germany and they look at me. And then they start, I'm okay, they're going to talk German, they're going to talk German. <laughs> and they always do, and I go, sorry, mate, not a word. Uh, you know, <laughs> no, no idea. Great stuff. Well, thanks for those questions. Um, keep them coming in on our next podcast, which will be in 2016. Um, as is customary, we're going to finish with the Lord's Podcast quiz. Um, I know you two have been waiting for this. Um, it's the usual format. I'll give you a non cricketer and a cricketer. All you have to do is tell me who is older. To win a point, Ollie, you can go first, and Andrew, you can go second. <coughs> That's better. Um, was that was that disgust with me winning yeah. the toss? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I won't have to edit that. Well, out. I mean, I've been holding that one. Say it's like the toss this year, isn't it? Isn't it next year? They're going to just offer it to the to the away side. That's so. right. Yeah, yeah. That's for done. another podcast, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> no, sorry, sorry. I retract that statement. I know nothing. It's a fact, but yeah, we'll we'll save it to another podcast. Um, Ollie. Who is older, Michael Owen, former England footballer, or India batsman, Yuvraj Singh? Um, well, I'll, go, I'll go Owen, I think. Hmm, so Michael Owen was... Oh, eight, here we go. Eight, <laughs> Owen was, what was he, 18 in the 98 
He had his birthday recently. Right. So if he was in 1898, that means he was born in 1980. I'll have to go to you, bro, just, just to be different. But It's Michael Owen. Yeah, well, two years older. Ollie, take a 1-0 lead. Flying. Um, Andrew, who is older? German Chancellor and Times Person of the Year, Angela Merkel, or former England captain, Graham Gooch? Gosh. Gucci, Gucci. Well, he was born, he was born July... 53, I believe. Oh, this isn't fair. Uh, <laughs> Seriously. So, so Do you know the number one from that year as well? <laughs> um, Bill Haley in the comments. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, golly, that doesn't help me with Merkel, though, does it? But um, uh, I'll, I'll go Merkel. You'll go Merkel? I'll, I'll um, who was the other one? <laughs> <laughs> Graham Gooch. I'll go with Gucci. Graham Gooch is indeed one year older than Angela oh. Merkel. Mm. So, Ollie, you're getting too technical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking it. <laughs> Ollie, who is older, Miley Cyrus or Joe Root? Oh, jeez. Well, I'd, I'd say Miley Cyrus, maybe. I have no idea. No idea. It's a close one. I'll, I'll give mm. you that. Yeah, she's she's been she's around. been she's through been, a lot. She's been through a lot, hasn't she? But I reckon she's so still, is Joe. <laughs> she's been through a lot, but then she started when she was about eight, so she's probably still he's still a whippersnapper. I'll go for I'll go for Joe just to be different. It's Joe Root by a year, so oh, he's, he's back, back in, in the it. game. So it's two one with two to play. Um, Andrew, who is older, Cameron Diaz or the former Sri Lanka captain Mahela Jayawardner? Hmm. I think he's the same age as me, which is getting old now. So, Cameron Diaz. No, she must be. She must be in her forties. Surely, I'm going to get Cameron Diaz. I was older. Cameron Diaz well, older. Yeah. I probably would have gone that. I'll, I'll go for Mahela. Oh, you're being such a gent here, Ollie. It is Cameron Diaz? Yeah. She is. She's actually five years older than Jai Warner. Yeah. Right. Right. Here like we the go. England, the England Lions. Coming back from the dead to win three two. <laughs> here we go. Two all. Um, I think Ollie to go first on this one. Britney Spears oh. or England's leading wicket taker in test matches, James Anderson. <laughs> Again, there's not much in it. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go Britney. She does feel like she's, again, she started mm. young, but it feels like she's been around forever. Yeah. Well, usually, how many comebacks can you have? Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> so, uh, so he was, he's born in '82, I believe. So <laughs> when when was Hit Me Baby one more time? That was that was that was a hit in. 90... I wouldn't know, mate. I didn't Google it or anything. <laughs> I'm doing the research for I this. Mean, <laughs> you know, leaving leaving aside everything else, all time classic in my opinion. But um, ninety, I reckon that was ninety seven ish, and she would have been a teenager then. So I'm going to go. Jimmy, just. Brittany is older. Yeah. <laughs> so Ollie takes a 3-2 victory. Well so done. I like the older ladies, you see. <laughs> Great stuff. Well, um, yeah, we've come to the end of the podcast. Just, Ollie, what have you got coming up over the festive period? I believe you're nursing an injury at the moment. I am, I'm nursing an injury, which has very disappointingly got me out of fitness training. Um, I'm going back home to Eastbourne, spend time with my family, uh, which should be interesting. <laughs> It's always good fun. Um, and uh, then we're back in training 4th of January. So, yeah, hopefully I'm not too fat. Great so my, stuff. My mum always gets me a Christmas Yule log, which uh, 
I can't work out whether to have it in chunks or just to get it out of the way early, so I don't know yet. All in one, that's what I say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Andrew, what's going on in the Miller household? Well, we're going to have Christmas, Christmas at home in London, then on um, Boxing Day I'm falling out of bed at stupid o'clock with a hangover to start up cricket for ball ball commentary. So, uh, oh, yeah, very nice. straight, straight in the deep end for the Test match. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good test and hopefully a good Christmas as well. Great stuff. Well, you know, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, chaps. Thank you, and you. And uh, for those who've tuned in, many thanks. Uh, we'll be back in 2016 with more cricketing stories from Lords. So remember to follow us on Twitter, our handles at Home of Cricket. Be our friend on Facebook. And for all the latest news from Lords, just go to lords.org. Have a wonderful festive period and see you soon.